Okay, let's get started with this year's Parshas Kisavo, Tov Shin Ayin Vav, as we look towards uh, Rosh Hashanah, Haba Alina Latova in a couple of weeks, and we uh, try to end off the year on a high, Parshas Kisavo, and we start off with the mitzvah of Bikurim, the beginning of the Parsha, two thoughts, or three thoughts, related to the mitzvah of Bikurim. Uh, as we know, the main quantity of the Parsha has to do with the Tochacha, but uh, we will start off with the mitzvah says the Torah of Ahayek Yisabo al Aretz Asher Hashem Lokecha Nosein Lachanachala. When you come to the land, Virishta Vyashavta Ba, and you you uh, yarshin it, you uh, you drive out the other nations, and you settle there. Vlakachta Mereishes Kapriha Adama. You will take from all the first fruits of the Shivas Haminim. Vistamta Batena. You'll put it into a basket, and you go to the base Hamigdash. Uvasa Lakohen Asher Yebayamemahem. You'll come to the Kohen of those days. Vyamarte Love. And we have the mitzvah of Mikra Bikurim. Machlokas Rishonim, how many mitzvahs are counted, bringing the Bikurim, the declaration in the base Hamigdash of what I have done. Let's read the declaration because we'll comment on it for in a moment. I have come to the land that Hashem swore to give to our forefathers. The coin will take the basket and he'll put it down in front of the Mizbeach. Then you will say what we're familiar with from the Haggadah. Arami a little synopsis of Jewish history in three psukim, going all the way from Lavan all the way to Pasitias Mitzrayim, Knisa Laeris Yisrael, Hevesias Rachis Priadama, Vayitelanos Eretz Azos Eretz of Asklavutvash. The Mitzvah of Bikurim, we've spoken in past years about the, the Bikurim parade as is described in the Mishnahis in Bikurim. We won't focus so much on that this year. Question number one. The Sifri, beginning in source number one, the Sifri tells us, Asei mitzvah ha'amura b'inyan she'bischarati kanis la'aretz. If you do this mitzvah, says the Sifri, b'schuz bikurim, that's what will allow you to go into the Eretz, into Eretz Yisrael. B'schuz bikurim. Sounds like, because we do bikurim, we're zochet to go in. Ask Rav Schwab, Mayan Beis HaShoeva. But we can't do bikurim until we get inside. Bikurim is a mitzvah t'liyabaretz. It only applies by the mitzvos, the Shivas Aminim, in Eretz Yisrael. So what does the Medrash mean? If you do Bikurim, you'll be zochet to go into Eretz Yisrael. No, you can only do the mitzvah after you go into Eretz Yisrael. For Rabbi Makshim, Shahari Ein Shum Efsharut, L'kayei Mitzvah Bikurim, Avla'achar Yerusha Saras Only after settlement, after splitting it up amongst the Shvatim, Ve'ech Efshar Lomar, Shebeschar Kiyem HaMitzvah Yikansu Eretz. Right, why is it? Yes, the, t- the beginning of the Torah, we have the Midrashim Bereshis, Bishvil Reshis, Bishvil Atorah Shenikra Reshis, Bishvil Bikurim Shenikra Reshis, different Midrashim, but that's at least happened already. The, the Bishchus, the Bnei Yisrael, going to fulfill. So is that what it means here too? Bishchus, that they will fulfill Bikurim? Doesn't sound that way. Bishchus, you do Bikurim, you'll be going to go, be able to go in. Question one. Question two, if you read, if we read the, the Mikra that we just read, the Mikra Bikurim, Says Rav Schwab, what do we say? What does every Jew say as he stands in the base of English with the Bikurim? He gaditi hayom l'Hashem alokecha ki vasi el haaretz asher nishma Hashem la'avosin alases lanu. I have come to the land that Hashem has given us. As Rav Schwab, you get we get the impression from this mikra Bikurim that we just came. Ki vasi, I have come. We don't say our nation came. We don't say you brought us. 
It sounds like in the language that it's very personal, describing that we have just come to Eretz Yisrael and we're bringing the Bikurim. It's not true. Let's say I live centuries after B'nai Yisrael coming to Eretz Yisrael. I still say, Kivasi ala Aretz. Sounds strange. Kivasi, I have just come. So Esher Schwab, what does it mean that it's B'schus, this I go in, it's only afterwards. And number two, Umashba line eight, Shazach Shavigi ala Aretz. Says Rav Schwab, we have to understand the difference between Eretz Yisrael and all other lands. And that's the secret to answer both of these questions. Being in any other land, we are physically in the land. It's a geographic reality. I'm enclosed in that land physically, and that's where I am. When I'm in Eretz Yisrael, it's not just a geographical existence. It's a spiritual existence. And yes, there are geographical boundaries to the land, but the root of that land comes from the Beis HaMikdash, comes from the Kedusha, comes from the Shechina that is in the Makam HaMikdash. Says Rav Shwab, V'yesh Lataretz, line 14, Shehine Eretz Yisrael mishunem ikal artos tevel. Eretz Yisrael is different than any other land. Shebishar ha'aratzos, harei metzius ha'adam, betoch gvuloseha, what does it mean to go into any land? It means physically go in. You cross the border, you're in. Aval be'eretz Yisrael, in Eretz Yisrael, Eretz HaKadosha, hare iker ha'aretz, hi akdusha. Shenis kadsha be'esar kadusha zula mal mizu. It's not just about. It is about the physical borders. There are physical borders. There are mitzvos that apply within the physical borders. But the root of the status of this land is spirituality, is Kedusha, is radiating out from the base Hamigdash. Volachain, therefore, says Rav Schwab, in a sense, one is in to a certain level in Eretz Yisrael. But a more intense going in is if one goes deeper, one goes into Yerushalayim. If one goes to any other capital city in any other country, you're not more in that country than any other. In New York, if somebody goes to Albany, one is not more in New York if you're in Albany. One is not more in any other country if you're in the capital city. Okay, maybe there's more things to do, there's more attractions, but that's it. In Eretz Yisrael, we're more in Eretz Yisrael if we're in Yerushalayim. We're more in Yerushalayim if we're in the Beis HaMikdash. It keeps going. And we're the most in if we're in the Kodesh Kadashim, which none of us could ever go in except Pamachas Pashan of the Kohen Gadol. But that's what it means in. Af Biyoso Nimsa Ba'aretz. Even if we're in, it's not that we're completely fully, because being in has to do with Kedusha, not just with physical realities where I am. So, what does it mean, says Rav Schwab, that Bishus Bikurim were Zochit to go into Eretz Yisrael, it means to go into the root of Eretz Yisrael, the Beis Hamikdash. When we come into the Beis Hamikdash, now we can look back and say, Bishus the Bikurim that I have brought, now I'm Zochit to stand here. And I have just come here. I have just come because it's talking about going into, er- going into the Beis Hamikdash as the microcosm, as the root of Kedusha of Eretz Yisrael. Only now we've come to the ultimate place. Three times a year, all of B'nai Yisrael have a chiv to go to that ultimate state within Eretz Yisrael. V'zeu higat yayom al Hashem alokecha ki vasi ala aretz sherak achshav bibiyaso la mikdash nishlama etzli bias ha'aretz. So the root 
is radiating out, as is described in the first parak in Mishnayis Kalim, uh, all the Eser Kedusho, Zula Malamizu, the root of it being the Kodesh Kadashim, and radiating out. So one unique answer relating to the two questions that Rev Schwab posed. Moving right along, something very special coming up. Says the Baal Haturim. Again, Perachavav Pasik Dalit. Let's read a Pasik together. Says the Torah. The Kohen takes the basket from the hands of the person bringing and puts it down. The word used in the Torah for basket is tenet. Says the Balaturim, top source, source two. Remez Lubikurim. According to Torah law, how much do I have to give for Bikurim? How much how many first fruit? Let's say I have a pomegranate tree. How many pomegranates do I have to give for Bikurim? There's no shear given in the Torah. Peya, Bikurin, Arayat, right? Elo Shir. So how much? So Chazal say 160th. 160th for Bikurim. Says the Balaturim, that's a remez in the Pasuk. Tene, Tesnunalav is Gematria 60. So that's a remez to this halacha. Remez le Bikurim, Echad Mishishim. Yerushalmi Bikurim. Vilakach, but now the Balaturim, the great tour, adds on. Vilakach. Ne'elam Samach Beparshas Bikurim. Because it's 160th, and that's the Gematria of Tene, and that's how much he's supposed to take. That's why, says the Balaturim, there is no Samach in the entire section of Bikurim in the Torah. Adkan Divreha Balaturim. What is the Kavana of the Balaturim? If sometimes we have a Medrash Plia, now we have a Balaturim Plia. Right? It says, oh, Tene is 60. And that's why is a remez that was supposed to take 160. And that's why there's no samach. Samach is 60. So there should be a samach. If the whole point is that Bikurim is 60 and it's 160th, so there should be a samach in Bikurim. Why isn't there? What does it mean that dafka, that, it's left out? Question one. Question two. The Medrash Tanchuma tells us in the beginning of the Parsha, source number three. Says the Manor Shachuma, first discussing the action that is mandated by Bikurim. Unlike every other mitzvah, there's no other mitzvah that has this uh, part of it. We've to- spoken about that in past years from the Deceiver Shalom and others. Hishtachavaya. One has to bow down. There's no other mitzvah that has bowing down as part of the action of the mitzvah. But this has it. So he quotes, the Medrash discusses that a little bit. Nishtachave, Nechra, Ella, but then the Medrash says, Tzafa Moshe Beruach HaKodesh. Vira'a Moshe Rabbeinu Soa in Ruach HaKodesh. Shebeis HaMikdash Asid Licharev. That the Beis HaMikdash will be destroyed. Vahabikurin Asid and Lipasek. And B'nai Yisrael will not be able to bring Bikurim anymore. Moshe Rabbeinu Soa, there's not going to be any more Beis HaMikdash. And it doesn't say, ah, oh, no more Karbanas. It says no more Bikurim. That's what Medrash here in Kisavo. Ahmad Vihiskin Yisrael. No more Bikurim, Chazal said, you know what? We have to dive in three times a day. Moshe Rabbeinu Soa, I have to be Masaki and Avi Misaki and Yaakov, Shachris, Mincha, and Mayriv. Lefisha Chaviv Tfila, Lefnea Kodesh Baruchu, Mikala Maisim Tovim, and Mikala Karbanos. Because Tfila is what a Kodesh Baruchu really loves. He loves when Jews turn to him in prayer. So what does the Medrash say? Because Hashem saw that the Bikurim weren't going to be forever, Hashem said, okay, you have to daven. Instead, in place of Bikurim. And again, we ask, what does Bikurim have to do with Tefillah? 
Because we're not going to be Kurim, David. What is that? What did that have to do with anything? So number one, why is the what's the pshat that there's no samach in the whole section of Bikurim? Number two, says the Tanchuma, since Bikurim won't last forever, Hashem gives us Tfila, Ma Kesher. What's the connection between Tfila and Bikurim? Says Rabbi Emmanuel Bernstein in his Sefer on Agada. Beautiful Sefer. Says Rabbi Emmanuel Bernstein discussing these questions. He just came out with a new Sefer on Shuva. Says Rabbi Bernstein. What's so special? What is Bikurim about? And Bikurim, as we know, is a mitzvah that only applies once B'nai Israel come into Eretz Israel. See, he explains based on Mepharshim. Going into Eretz Israel means, as is obvious and has been pointed out, we're going into a natural existence. There's no more mun, there's no more be'er, there's no more ananea kavit, there's no more clothing growing with us, there's no more everything given to us on a silver platter. That's one of the pshatim they say maybe by the miraglim, why they didn't want to go in. But that's what's going to ha- that was what's going to happen. Right? They have to, as, as he writes, in the desert, they are free to spend their day engrossed in spiritual matters. And this indeed was a necessary stage in the formative years of the Jewish people's existence. We needed those times that Hashem did everything for us. But once we cross the Yardin and we go into Eretz Yisrael, now it's different. Now it's Teva. Now it's farming. Now it's our working the land. Now there's the danger. There's the danger that in the course of time we'll forget who the real Balabias is. Maybe we'll forget. We'll think of nature having its own existence. We won't realize that there's a father to mother nature. Right? We won't realize that there's a power behind. There is a very real danger in his words that over the course of time, involvement in the natural order of things will cause people to forget who, is that, who it is that is providing their, their sustenance. What's the antidote? What's the preventative medicine to this problem of kochi v'otsem yadi Bikurim. The first thing you grow, don't think it's yours. Remember, it's from HaKadosh Baruch. Bikurim is the antidote. It's to remember, you bring it to the base of Migdash. It's not even just like Truma, which is also firsts, but you don't have to go to the base of Migdash for that. Give it to the Kohen wherever you find him. No, you've got to go to God's house. You've got to give it to the God's servant in God's house to remember that he's in charge of everything. He's in charge of the entire existence that you have. That's Bikurim. And now Rabbi Bernstein continues and says in the next paragraph, What's a Samach? Every letter in the, in the Aleph base has significance. We discussed in the past, in other contexts, the Gemara and Shabbos Kufdalid, where the Gemara, that we like to call that the code, Kufdalid, the code of the Jewish alphabet, where the Gemara goes through every letter of the Aleph base, how it looks, why does the, le- the, the Aleph, the leg of the Aleph, point to the base, why is the base facing away from the Aleph, why does the leg of the Gimel go towards the Dalit, the Dalit facing every letter. What's the message of a Samach? A Samach is a circle. A, you can't see out of a Samach. If you're on the Samach, you're enclosed. You can't get out. You go around and around. That symbolizes seeing nature and not seeing beyond it. I just see what's in front of me and I can't see beyond. I can't see behind. That's what 60 is. The idea of being trapped inside the natural cycle with no way of seeing beyond it is represented by the letter Samach. The shape of the letter is round without 
representing a cycle with no perceivable beginning or end. 60, he says it is an expansion of six. Six is all, Sheshit Yimei Breshis, without Shabbos. Right, Shabbos is what's behind Sheshit Yimei Breshis. Six, the 60 is an expansion of that. That's nature, it's Samach. You know what you have to do for Bikurim? Take one out of Samach. Take HaKadosh Baruch Hu out and make sure you get the message. That's the message of Bikurim. Recognize HaKadosh Baruch Hu is behind. There's no Samach in Bikurim. In the whole Parsha, the message is one out of 60. But take the one out of the 60. But it can't just focus on the 60 because then we'll lose ourselves. We won't be able to be, to, to get out of the cycle of recognizing the natural world. He even says, turning the page for a moment in the footnote, he says, the word as we know for horse is sus. And often in Chazal, when you want to talk about somebody who can't see ahead of them, who can't see beyond, who only can see what's in front of their face, their own, their own fodder is a horse. A horse is a samach and a samach with one flat line right in the middle. He keeps bumping it and bumping it to himself. Because that's a, that's a horse. He can't see beyond. He's full of samachs. But Bikurim is about taking the one beyond. Seeing past that. And he says, he continues, where's the first time Many times, Mepharshim tell us, the Vilna Gon tell us, you want to learn the real message of a, of a word or a letter? Look at the first time it appears in the Torah. Says the Rabbi Bernstein here, the first time Samach appears in the Torah is by the word Sovev. Line 8. Who has Sovev is Kalaretz Achavila. It goes around. Sovev is surrounding, because that's what a Samach is. A Samach is a circle. You can't get out. And also it appears, Vayiskar Basar Tachtena, when Chava was closed up into Adam, um, after he took the, Hashem took the rib out, and Hashem closed up the flesh to cover, to close, so you can't see. That's the Samach, you can't see. Bikurim is, as he says beautifully, the significance of the letter Samach with regard to Bikurim is that it is the anti-letter. It is the anti-Samach mitzvah. It is the state we are looking to break out of. The goal of Bikurim is to see Hashem as the one force behind the manifold natural forces. It's one from 60. And then he just adds a final beautiful punchline. He says, so where, so where is it alluded to? Where's the 60? It says the Balaturim Tene, the basket. What does a basket look like? You look at a basket from afar, it looks whole, it looks like solid... You look a little closer, all of a sudden you could see light through the basket. You could see through it. You could see holes in the basket. It's not closed up totally. You just got to look deeply and look closely and then you'll see beyond. The 10 is 60. If we look through, we can look beyond the 60 and see through it and see HaKadosh Baruch Hu on the other side. And that's the message of Bikurim. And that's... Um, why it's one out of sixty? There's one thought. There's only one question we still didn't answer. Maybe it's somewhat almost answered. The Medrash tells us Hashem says there's not going to be any more bikurim. So what do I have to do? Create davening. Shalosh tefilas bayom. How does that take the place of bikurim? So now beautifully, let's read the words of the Derech Hashem of the Ramchal. In source number six. The Derech Hashem describes that the, the our neshama starts off in Shamayim. The neshama is not interested in coming down. He wants to stay in Shamayim. I'm happy here. It's pure, it's beautiful. Hashem says, no, tough, you're going down. 
and he goes down. And the purpose of life, as we know, is to be Makadesh, to take our, nesh- our goof and live by our neshama, have nesh- the neshama be the defining feature of who we are. But the way we do that in this world is by not becoming so sunken, so shakua into olamazeh. And you know how we prevent that? By dav, excuse me, by davening. Says the Ramchal, line 7. Hine heichin abore yisbarach shemotikin lazeh. Hashem created a tikkun, a prevention method for falling too deeply into Gashmias. When a person goes and comes close to Hashem. And from him to ask him for all needs. And upon him, capital H, throw everything. Until If I daven properly, then the rest of my day is going to be different. It's like plugging in the cell phone. If I'm, uh, I'm going to be high charge afterwards, that's going to last me till my next tefillah. And this is, right, the Ramchal, He gives us an opportunity to talk to him, to recognize him, to realize there's so much beyond what you see in the world. That's Bikurim, and that's tefillah. Tefillah takes the place of Bikurim, so to speak, because both of them are about seeing beyond what's in front of me, recognizing Hashem is the one behind my parnasa, though Hashem is the one that gives me these first fruits. So that's something we have to realize. It's the basket, it's the 60, it's the samach, it's the going into Eretz Yisrael, it's the tefillah, putting all of that together. Unbelievable. Okay. Moving right along. Not moving too far along, but a little bit later, in the section of Bikurim. A lot to say about Bikurim in this year's shir. The Pazik teach continues and tells us the famous phrase that we know from the Haggadah, and we'll talk about a Haggadah thought now, because it's Parshas Kisavo, that maybe we'll remember in a couple of months from now. You will say, now we're up to Mikra Bikurim. You will say, Arami Oved Avi, Right, an Aramean Lavan Ovid Avi. He was terrible. He was a trickster. Vayered Mitzrayma Vayagrasham Imsei Maat. He went down. Vayishama Gaigadolatzum Varav. Right, so we know Arami Ovid Avi. And the Haggadah tells us. Let's read now in source number seven. We know on this pasuk we start off by saying right after Baruch Hamakom, Bikesh Lavan Laakar Esakol. This Aramean Lavan HaArami, he wanted to uproot everything. He wanted to destroy Klal Yisrael. Bikish Lavan Lakar is a call. And almost every Haggadah, there are certain questions that are in every Haggadah. What's the difference between the Tzadik and the Russia? Nebuchadnezzar, some, some questions. Uh, where's the Bracha on Tzibritzis Mitzrayim? So this one is in almost all, if not, I don't think all, but in almost all. Where did Lavan want to uproot everything? Where did he, he was a trickster. He was a conniver. He tried to steal Yaakov's money. He gave him the wrong wife. Okay. But where do we see Bikish Lav and La'akares HaKol? So, says Rav Chaim Kinevsky in the time of the Kra, source number seven, L'chare heichen matzinu shalav and Bikish La'akares HaKol. Where do we find that? Question one. Question two, v'gam mas michus hapsukim, what is the connection between Arami Ovid Avi and the next phrase, Vayered Mitzrayma? Lavan wanted to get rid of everything and we went down to Mitzrayim. 
What's the connection between those two events? Lavan was way before Mitzrayim. Says the time at the Kra, says Rukhaim Kanievsky, put together two Midrashim and we have our answer. He knows everything. So he knows every Madrash. So he says, put together two Midrashim and we'll have our answer. First Madrash. Bizbar, line five, I'll peace safer, Hayashar, so Parshas Vayetse. Shekeshalavan Halach Miyakov. This is in the Madrash, not such a popular from the Sefer Hayashar. When Lavan left Yaakov, Shalach, right, he went home, he, he screamed at Yaakov, and then he went back. When he went back, and Yaakov continued on, and he was going to meet Esav, Shalach Shluchim Esav. How did Esav know that Yaakov was on his way back? Okay, eventually Yaakov sent messengers, but Esav was already coming towards him. How did he know? Says the Sefer Hayashar, Lavan had sent Shluchim, runners, to go ahead to Esav, to go kill Yaakov. He had sent messages. He's coming back. Maybe Yaakov knew about it. Maybe he didn't. But number one, Lavan had the plan of killing Yaakov. Yeah, yeah, Esav wanted to kill him from before he sold the brachas. But who knows if Esav was so upset about that. But now, Lavan is still causing trouble. He sends a message. Go kill Yaakov. Number one. Number two, it says the Medrash Hagadol and Parshas Vayishlach. Shatam she'esav lo'argas Yaakov. So why didn't Esav kill Yaakov? So we know Yaakov Davin. Uh, you see the brachas haven't been fulfilled. Lomaisa, Esav didn't kill Yaakov. Why? Says the Medrash. Mipshum she'anashav amrulo. Because people told him, his advisors told him, she'im yaharogas Yaakov. If he kills Yaakov, then he's going to get the brachas. You know what the brachas say? There's a, there's a, there's a condition for the brachas. Yia alav hashtar shal kiger yia zaracha. You're going to have to go through the whole Mitzrayim process. Right? Going back, remember, Brisbane Abbasarim, Hashem promises Avraham, your nation is going to go down, it's going to be terrible. Vavadim ve'inu osam, ve'achrachein dan anochi, so the whole pr- you want that process, Esav? Esav's fi- advisor said, Esav, don't kill him. Let him go through all the pro- all the difficulties. We'll get him later. We'll get him later. Vilakach, Esav says, sounds good. I don't want to have to go through the, the whole Mitzrayim process. What did he do? Nechto. He called his grandson over. Who's his grandson? Amalek. Right? Esav's son was Eliphaz. Eliphaz's son was Amalek. Eliphaz and Timnah. Amalek. Amalek was the grandson. And Amalek obviously ingrained in his descendants and nation what to do. Why were they the first army to attack Am Yisrael after Mitzrayim? Because their Alta Zayda told them that's what they have to do right when the Jews come out of Mitzrayim. Because Esau told them when they come out, attack them. Now it's time to kill them. I don't want to kill them. I don't want to have to go through the Mitzrayim experience. So you know what? You take care of it in the future. So, says Rechaim Kanievsky, when did Lavan want to uproot everything? Number one, when he sent a message to Esav. He says to Esav, kill Yaakov, end of Klal Yisrael. Number two, what's the connection? Lavan, Arami Obedav, you wanted to kill? Next, possibly, you're in Mitzrayimah. He led to us because Esav says, I don't want it now. I'm not going to kill now. I'll wait. My grandson will take care of it. And in that way, I won't have to go down to Mitzrayim. Okay. Moving right along. The final 
thought for a bikurim, and then we'll get to the next part of the parsha. The end of the par- the end of the uh, the end of the parsha, the end of the section. It's actually comparing mikra bikurim to the next section in the in the Torah. The next section in the Torah, as we know, is vidui maestros. Vidui maestros every couple of years, twice a, a shmita cycle. We have to go to the base of Migdash and declare we've done everything we were supposed to do. We gave the truma, we gave the maaser, we gave the maaser sheni. We did everything we were supposed to do. We didn't eat it oni, we didn't eat it betuma, asisi, kachal asher tivisani. Please, Hashem, look down upon us. Hashkifam imam kachecha. Give us a bracha. Uvarecha zamchais Yisrael. Ve'asadam asher nesata lanu. Bless Am Yisrael. Bless Eretz Yisrael. Kasher nishpata lavosina Eretz avaschol avudvash. Question. Halachic question. We know, and this question is asked by the Torah Tamima. In the Tosefes bracha, Tosefes bracha, his name was Baruch HaLevi Epstein. So after the Torah Tamima, this is a Tosefes bracha. Tosefes of the bracha of the Sfarim that we have. We know the Mishnah tells us in Meseches Meiser Sheni, the Mishnah tells us that when a ger does vidui meiser, he does not read the parsha of vidui meisers. Kishemevi ger meiser ain't okori parsha zu kamo yisrael mileda. Why? Because what does the section say? Kasher nishbata laavosenu, like you swore to our forefathers. But a ger is a convert. It wasn't his forefathers. A ger can't do vidui maestris when he comes to the base of Migdash to declare that he's done everything. Ask the Tosefis Bracha, why is this different than the previous section? The previous section, Mikra Bikurim. Many Rishonim, not all, but many Rishonim say, a ger is mevi fakore. A ger can bring Bikurim and do the Kriya, even though it says there, we just read it before, Kivasi ala aretz, asherishbata lavoseinu, lasaslan. What's the difference between Vidui Meiser and Mikra Bikurim? Vidui Meiser, Ger is not allowed to do. Mikra Bikurim, Ger can do. They both say, Says the Tosefis Bracha, maybe it's based on a Pasuk in Yechezkel. And the Gemara, the Darshan, is the Pasuk. The Pasuk in Yechezkel says that though the land was split up into 12 portions, the Geirim will also get a Chelek. When Mashiach comes, the converts will also get a portion in Eretz Yisrael. They'll get a portion. Vizui, next page. This is the Pazagin, the Kavan of Yishayahu also. Yeshayo says, we lay this on a fast day. So we all know the tune, but we don't think about what the words mean. The, the stranger will not say, Hashem has separated me. He won't say that in the future. I'll give them. I'll give them something. So the game will get a portion in the future. Says the... Tosefes Bracha. If you look closely at the words in Vidui Meiser versus Mikrubi Gurim, there's a slight difference between the Lashon that is said. By Vidui Meiser, all it says is, Asher Nasata Lanu, Kasher Avosenu. That you gave, that you swore to our forefathers. It's all past tense. It's all Avar. So the Ger can't say that. The Ger said, the Ger can't say everything that you gave me, that you swore to my forefathers. Didn't happen. He's not, he doesn't have a Chalak. But what does it say by Mikra Bikurim? 
by Mikra Mikurim, it also uses a lashon of Kivasi Ela Aretz Asher Nishba Hashem Avoseinu Laseslanu. He swore to our forefathers to give us, which could also be understood as a future promise. You swore to give us. Laseslanu. That's only by Mikra Bikurim, not by Vidu Meiser. Says that to Savas Bracha. That's why a ger could say by Mikra Bikurim. Vishum de Parshas Bikurim, Omrim Ela Aretz Asher Nishba Hashem Lavoseinu, Laseslanu Beatid. Vegama Gerim, Omri Bechlal Haatid. Ay, it says Lavoseinu, Avamon Gayim. So the little slight difference in Lashon is the basis for the difference in Halacha. Okay, so that takes us through Bikurim, Vidui Meiser. Now let's get to the next part of the, of the Parsha. We have the long Tochacha, the Brachas and the Klalos, and we're not going to go through them right now. Let's look all the way at the end. All the way at the end, we're going to focus on a couple of Sukkim towards the end of the Parsha, and hopefully try to end off Hashem with something in Yonei Shuva. Says the Torah, at the end of the Tochacha, all the way at the end, Ela, right after the Tochacha, actually, the last puzzle right before Shvi, Ela Divrei Habris, Asher Tziva Hashem es Moshe, Lekros es Bnei Yisrael Be'eretz Moav. These are the words of the covenant that Hashem commanded Moshe to make at Arvos Moav. Milvan Habris, Asher Karasi Tam Besides the covenant that Hashem already made with them in Chorev, in Harsidai. So this was, the Pasuk says, Beferish. A second covenant, a second Krisas Bris, a second agreement between Hashem and B'nai Yisrael. And the question that needs to be asked is, why did we need a second agreement? The first one wasn't effective anymore. The first, we, we, had, we were still bound by Harsinai. By Harsinai, we already accepted the Torah. We said Nasev and Ishma. We already had a Bris with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. All of a sudden, there's another Bris. At the end of the 40 years, Moshe Rabbeinu was told by Hashem, make another Krisas Bris. Make another covenant with, with Am Yisrael. And what is it? Look at Rashi. Lichrosas b'nei Yisrael. Sheyikablu alayhem as a Torah be'elu They have to accept the Torah. We did accept the Torah already. Right? What, what do you have to, what, what do we need another, another acceptance for? Says Rav Salvechik. And he writes about this very often. I gave it to you through the words of Rav Shachter and Divrei Harav in the third volume of that, of that set. There's a basic difference between the bris of Harsinai and the bris of Arvos Moav. Very different Krisos bris. Very different Ophis. And it's a very important message for us. Line 8. The time of the mill, Why did we need a second bris? Let's keep reading. Remember, says the Rav, says Rav Salvechik, this bris continues for Kisavo and next week's Pasha too. Nitzav and Vayelach, this all describes this bris that took place at the end of the 40 years. What did the Psukim say? Next week's Pasha. Liavrecha bris Hashem alokecha. You're all standing here today. Nitzav and Mayam kocha. Velo itchem levatchem anoche yasek bris I'm not just making this bris with you. Kiyas Hashem. Yesh no po. Imanu omeid hayom of Hashem alokeinu. Thes Hashem inenu po. Imanu Hayom. Those who are standing here and even those who are not standing here are part of this bris. And Rashi quotes the Gemara Mesechashvuis that the bris here is binding on future generations. How is that possible? And why do Chazal only say this here 
and not earlier by Harsinai? Why is this one only binding on future generations? Says Rav Salvechik, amazing, the first bris was with a nation of Yechidim. We became a nation, but we were still looked at as individuals within that nation. But now, the bris is on the Am. The bris is on the nation. The nation as a nation. Lamana Kemoscha Hayom Lo Laam, line 29. Itafka says Am, Balashan Am. The Lashan Am is from the word Im, with, because we're with each other. Yesh Kesher, Vitsiruf, Bein Kola Yechidim, Lahavos Chativa Achas, Vyechida Achas. And if it's on a nation, it could go into future generations also. For example, he writes, if there's a nation that makes a peace treaty, it automatic or any kind of treaty or laws, it's not like every time there's a new leader of a country, they have to redo all the laws that were made in the previous. No, everything's passed down. The nation, the country, accepts to a certain law, a certain code, a certain treaty. You honor it. Why do you honor it? Because I'm, I'm the next. I'm in this nation. I'm in this country. There's a big difference. And that's why, says the Rav beautifully, the principle of Arvus only starts now. Learned out based on a Pasuk in next week's Parsha. The fact that if I didn't make Kiddush yet, I can make Kiddush for someone else, even though I fulfilled my mitzvah. I'm not called an Eino Mechuyev Bedavar. Because if you didn't fulfill your mitzvah yet, then I'm still lacking. There's a problem, there's a chisarin in me, because we are one. We are one nation, we are one body. That idea of Arvus only starts now. It didn't start by Harsinai. The past 40 years, it didn't start. Right, that that that's that's the the din mechudash of Arvus lo That was the gemar, right? As we crossed the yarden, that was the completion of this brishnia in Arvus Moav, and that is why Moshe Rabbeinu had to start. The, Moshe Rabbeinu had to be part of the bris. That's why he had to do it right now. It wasn't finished until the nation came into their land. That was the completion of the bris. But Moshe Rabbeinu had to, had to be part of it. And that's why he continues and says, let me give another example where you see this highlighted. Turn the page for a moment. Source 11. In Parsha's Korach, Hashem gets very upset at Klal Yisrael. Moshe Rabbeinu stands up and says, Hashem, you can't destroy them. It's not fair. Moshe Rabbeinu says, What, one person does something wrong and the whole nation is destroyed? What was Moshe saying? We're not responsible for each other yet. Punish the person who did it. The Mekoshesh, the Mekalel. There's no Arvus. Moshe Rabbeinu complains about it. But what about later? What about in next week's Parsha? What do we read in the beginning of Nitzavim? Line 3. Maybe there'll be one of you that's going to do Avodah Zarah. And what's going to happen? Hashem's going to destroy the world. Destroy the land. What do you mean the land? Just punish that individual. No, no, it's no longer individuals. If one person does it, finished. Everybody's responsible. Right? They went in with Yeshua. Achan took from the spoils. Everybody's punished. Everybody's affected. Because now it's a kila. Now it's an am. And now it's and then it's arvus. And then Rav Salvechik says, ironically, I mean it's ironically and tragically, 
throughout the centuries, the Goyim know this about us. They don't know that they know it, but they know it about us. More than any other nation, right? If there's somebody from Tanzania that does something, we don't say, oh, all Tanzanians are like that. Oh, the, and we blame all of them. Throughout history, one Jew does something wrong, the nations around us blast the whole nation. And they punish the whole nation. And one, one Jew somewhere in the world, all of a sudden, the whole nation is liable. And there are libels. Because they, whether they know it or not, subconsciously, they know we're an Am. They know Arvus. Unbelievable. He says on lines 9 and 10, nami Hashem, the whole nation. One Jew. One individual, a couple of individuals. That's halacha that we hold, and that's the reality that the goyim feel against us. Look throughout history. Throughout history, throughout the, the Crusades, throughout every tragedy. And he even has one final point. A couple of weeks ago, we read Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. In a, next week, we'll read line 20, 26. Haskes, listen up, Ushma Yisrael. Says Rav Salvechik, Haskes, the Gemara Darshans, make yourself into groups and make sure you share. That's a, a different Shema Yisrael. It's Haskesu Shema Yisrael because now we're in the Rabbim. Now we're not Yechidim. We're all together. And that's the difference between the first bris and the second bris. Maybe we needed the 40 years of Nais and Hashem taking care of us in order to help create us as a nation. Or maybe it's just, as Rav Salvechik said before, you can't become a nation if you don't have a homeland. So it's got to be in the homeland, and then we sin, so we had to wait 40 years. Before we get into Eretz Yisrael, so that's why the bris had, a, had to wait. But either way, that's the difference between the first bris and the, and the second bris. There's more here, but uh, we'll keep going. He speaks out the Messiris Nefesh of, uh, of each Jew and Klai Yisrael for another. Let's continue, though, now. Let's go to the next Tzukim. Beginning of Parachavtes. Says the Torah, and remember, this is all Moshe Rabbeinu's last speech, the last couple of weeks of his life. He is talking to Klai Yisrael, giving them a pep talk, giving them warnings before he's going to pass on. Says the Torah, Parachavtes, Vayikra Moshe al-Kal Yisrael, Vayomer Aleyah, Moshe calls them together and says to them, Atem Reisem, as kol asher asa Hashem le'enechem, be'eretz Mitzrayim, l'faro, u'lochal avadav, u'lochal So you saw, right, maybe they were too, very young at the time, or whether they were told, the nation saw. This is part of the bris. You as a nation saw everything that Hashem did to Mitzrayim. Hamasos ha'gadolos, asher roe necha, ha'osos, v'hamofsim ha'gadolamahim. All of these amazing events. And then Moshe Rabbeinu adds, V'lo nasan Hashem lachem leiv ladas, v'inayim l'shleros, v'azayim l'shmoa, adayom hazeh. But you really didn't recognize what really happened until today. Hashem did unbelievable things. Makos, and Yisrael Mitzrayim, and the Mon, everything, 
Moshe says as a, as a reality. He doesn't even ask them. He says as a reality, you have not, you didn't get the message until now. You have, you don't, you haven't recognized. Your clothing, your shoes. Says Moshe Rabbeinu, you didn't get the message until today. Ask Rav Yeruchim in Source 13. Why not? The Makos? The Mon? What was so difficult? They, they, didn't, they didn't open up their eyes? What does that mean? Line, source 13. How is this possible? What did they not recognize? They saw all the Nisim. What did they not understand? Says Rav Yerucham, I'll ask you another question, which is really the answer. Ube'emes, line 7. Kiketmiya hazos. Forget the Nisim for a moment. Let's think about the world, says Rabbi Yerucham. Let's think about the world around us. Hashem halo b'chachma yasad aretz kolabriya kula halohi akshamas hachachma ha'elyona v'lozulas. Look around the world. The world is all a concretization of God's wisdom. Fakol halo l'chvodo yisbarach nivra. Every single thing in the world, how nature works within itself. The laws of nature, the animal kingdom, the plant kingdom. It's all Hashem. Hashem hides himself. Why does he do that? Why does Hashem hide himself behind the physical in this world? Because what? It's going to be all spiritual? We can't fathom that. It would be meaningless to us if it was just open spirituality. He says, imagine trying to explain astrophysics or astro whatever, think of some fancy high level science to a first grader. Try to explain it. Put it in, in easy terms. You know, try to explain any higher mathematics to a second grader. They just learned, uh, you know, uh, addition. Okay, let me teach you about sine and cosine, and and it's it's, unfa- it's impossible. You put the information in front of them; it will just go above them. It's not shyach. That's why Hashem didn't create a fully spiritual world because we are physical beings. It would be just beyond our capabilities of comprehension. Ein melamdin lo davar baofan mufshati. You make things graphic. You make things able. You give him basic building blocks. That's why Hashem is behind it. But as the Rambam writes in Uchaz Yisodi Torah, you look around the world just for a little bit and Hashem is screaming out at us. As the Rambam writes in Moranavuchim also, just look at any part of the body. The body just happens. The body is just... There was an explosion one time and the human body with the, all the organs inside, how it works together and the kidneys and the liver and the heart and the lungs and the abdomen and the, it just happens and the animal kingdom. It's impossible. And yet, we look and we don't see HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We look and we could think that, no. Yerucham says in line 25, an amazing line, Vadai, ein chilik, 
L'Torah. Shneyem Maaseh Hashem Heim, Shneyem Chosam Hashem Charizbam. There's no difference between Torah and the world. They both have God's imprint all over them, and they both have people totally missing the point. You could see amazing miracles, but unless we realize that Kodesh Baruch Hu is involved in every intricate detail of everything, so it's possible. And says Rav Yerucham Andigof, you could see the man. We could see amazing miracles. But the world is a miracle. And the world has Hashem's imprint all over. And yet, there are those, many of us, even if we recognize, obviously, we don't recognize Him as deeply as we should. And that, says Yerucham, is, is what we have to work on. Okay, finally, one more thought on the Parsha, and then we'll have one thought on Shuva. One thought on the Parsha is not really a thought, it's just a Ha'ara. We discussed this in the past, in past years, but just to give you a, uh, a nice formulation from one of the Rishonim and one of the Akronim. The Pasuk says, back in the, uh, in the Tochacha, sorry, you know what, we'll, uh, we'll save this. We'll save this because it's really uh, the... Um, Rabbeinu Bachai discusses it, but, you know, let, you know let's, let's look back for a second. Let's look back. You have time, we'll squeeze it in. The Pazik says, in the middle of the Tolchacha, a reason. A reason why, you know, we're getting punished. Most of it is just curses. Once in a while, we have a reason. Says the Pazik, famous Pazik, We dirt and serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Meirov Kol, even though we had everything. There's a specific message of serving Hashem b'simcha. David HaMelech says it's an avoda. It's not natural. If there was Hashem b'simcha, why does the, 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 the Tana have to tell us we should greet people with a smile? You know why he has to tell us that? Because it's not natural. We don't smile at people naturally. Right? If we smile at people, people are going to ask, like, something something going on? What's, what are you so happy about? It's so unnatural for us to see people smiling. But that's how we have to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And it's an avoda. Ivdu as Hashem b'simcha. And Hashem's going to hold us accountable if He gives us so much. And we're not b'simcha. Says Rabbeinu Bachai. Lefi, 14. Shechai v'adam ala simcha v'esasko b'mitzvos. V'ya simcha b'maysa ha-mitzvah mitzvah b'fnei atzma. The simcha, while we do a mitzvah, is a separate mitzvah itself. There's a separate simcha scorecard in Shemayim. How happy are we when we do a mitzvah? We're in the middle of something and we have to run to David Mincha. And we have to stop what we're doing. Are we happy about that? Maybe it's challenging, but do we say, okay, I'm going to David. Are we happy? Besides the schar for the mitzvah itself. Do we show our happiness? Are we as passionate about mitzvos as we are about other things in life. Do our children see us getting excited about a mitzvah, about Torah, as much when we buy a sefer, when we buy a lul of an esrog? Is that simcha beyond, or at least equal to buying something physical in the Gashmi world that we get simcha from? Do our children see that? That's the simcha we have to work on. And if we don't have it as much as we should... That's an avoda. That's something we can work on in Elul too. Focusing. Eze Washir. 
Hasamech Bechelka. Who is somebody who's Besimcha? The Mesul Shisharim writes about this. We have to realize we get to talk to Hashem three times a day. We're servants. We're the chosen people. They get to have more mitzvos. There's no greater simcha than that. What does David HaMelech say? All these psukim we just read. Ye'erav alav sichi. It's so sweet. My lips are, are sweet. They're overflowing. Anochi esmach Hashem. Just the reality of being a Jew. We have to work on this. And avoda ivdu at Hashem b'simcha. It's something that we have to really try to work on. And spreading. And again, it spreads. If somebody is b'simcha, it spreads to other people. If somebody is not b'simcha, that also spreads. Right? The, one of the Akronim once said, I think we're Pam. Pam once said, one's face is a Rosh Hashanah can't be Mazik in Rosh Hashanah Right? We have to make sure that everything that is open to the public is, is uh, giving off positive energy. Okay, one thought about tshuva. It's from Rabbi Lau in his commentary on Pirkei Avos. In the fourth parak, it's on the Mishnah, on the Mishnah of Alti Baz Lachaladam. I didn't give you the beginning quote of the Mishnah. It goes, the piece goes for a couple of pages. Um, the last part is a little sideways because I couldn't fit it in. It's on the mitzvah of Ein Adam She'ein Losha V'chulu. Says Rabbi Lau, Tshuva has two elements to it. Two elements. Number one element of tshuva are those moments. And tshuva that he's talking about here is not dafka this time of year, it's throughout our lives. There are those moments of tshuva. There are the moments that we feel inspired. There are the moments that we feel psyched, that we've like, oh, like the light bulb goes off in our heart or in our mind. And we're psyched to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And we're psyched to do better. And this is what the Gemara says in Avodah Zara, There are some that can be Kona their Olam in one moment. Right? The story is there in Avodah Zara. And the executioner jumps into the fire with him. And he gets Olam Haba. One moment. One moment of Shuvah. The daf before that, right? a tremendous Balavera. The end of his life, he does tshuva. One moment, he's able to do it. We have to realize the value of every single moment. Right, so I allow on the bottom. Every moment, every moment we have to look at as a potentially defining moment. I think I quoted years ago from a, a book, The Tipping Point. Right? There are certain moments in our life that could tip us. We have to look at every moment as a potential tipping point. But, says Rabbi Lau, that's not the ultimate tshuva. The ultimate tshuva is not the momentary. The momentary has to teach us the message of the moments are special and amazing. But the ultimate tshuva is the other line of the Gemara. Yesh kon alama b'sha'achas, and he writes on page and source seventeen, right? We find throughout the ages. He tells one story of the Crusades, but we find throughout the ages, Jews who were so far from any observance, who were so far from connection to God, and yet when the choice was the cross or death, they chose death. Where did it come from? They were ready to die al Kiddush Hashem. They were Jews, amazing Jews. 
but they were Jews of Yishkona Ba'olama B'Sha Achas. But says Rabbi Lau, that's not what Hashem ultimately wants from us. We might have to do that. Rachman al-Itzlan, at various times in history. But really, Yishkona Olamo B'Kamashanim. The focus has to be long range. The focus has to be taking those moments and using them forever and ever. And he quotes beautifully, why is it? Question that many ask. Not enough. Rishonim don't really deal with it. Why is it that Avram Avinu's test of Lech Lecha, of schlepping, of leaving his homeland, of going, that's recorded at length in the Torah. And yet Ur Kazdim, being thrown into the fiery furnace, nothing. Why? Lech Lecha, that, why is that such a great... Thrown into the fire! Says Rabbi Lau, based on what we just said, to die Al-Kiddush Hashem is one level. To live Al-Kiddush Hashem is a higher level. Day in and day out, being Mishabe in my life, what, when do I wake up in the morning, where do I go on vacation, what do I do with my free time? That's Yesh Kone Ba'olamo B'Kamashanim. says that's, that's something very, uh, very different. And that's why he quotes, we discuss this in other Shirim, why the Nisayan of Abraham it is, is greater than Yitzchak in the Akedah. Yitzchak was going to give his life in a moment. Avram was going to have to live with this forever and ever. And that's why finally he says, also a Rosh Hashanah connection. Why? We read about it, this in Akina on Tisha B'Av also. When Hashem goes to the Avos and the Imos asking for forgiveness, tell me, defend Klal Yisrael. And nobody has any defense except Rachel Imenu. Until Rachel comes along and is able to and is able to uh, to come and defend Klal Yisrael. What does Rachel have that nobody else has? Rachel, what, all of them, but Rachel in an extreme way. Line forty-four. Madua Nansa Rachel Yoser Mishar Ha'avos Ho'imahos. Avram did ten tasks. Yisrael gave his life. No, Rachel was ready to give over for an Isayon Tamidi. She is a young girl who is ready to give up her whole future. She gave her sister instead. She gave her entire future away. Who says I'm ever going to get, get, uh, get anybody else? She was, she was destined to live a life of loneliness or marriage to Asaph. She was ready to do that. That's living a life, not just a moment. A life of Avodah Hashem, not just a Shah. So yes, Yesh Kono Olama B'Sha Achas. We have to take the moments, but we have to make them into Yishkone Be'olamo B'Kamashanim. We have to translate it into years and years of tshuva and service of Kaddish Baruch Hu. We shall be zochet to fulfill all of this, uh, these demands that a Kaddish Baruch Hu gives us. Okay, Be'ez Hashem, next week will be the final shear of Tav Shin Ayin Vav. And Be'ez Hashem, following week, we'll get into a new year Tav Shin Ayin Zayin Haba Aleinu Litova. Okay, we'll stop here.